You're listening to the Do Justice Podcast, exploring faith, meeting the world, from Shining Waters Regional Council of the United Church of Canada. Welcome to Do Justice, the podcast for Friday, December 4th. My name is Brianne Swan, my pronouns are she and her, and I am Minister for Social and Ecological Justice with Shining Waters Regional Council, part of the United Church of Canada. I am recording from my home office in what is now known as Toronto, Ontario. The land I am working from is the traditional territory of many nations, including the Mississaugas of the Credit, the Anishinaabek, the Chippewa, the Haudenosaunee, and the Wendat peoples, and is now home to many diverse First Nations, Inuit and Métis. Toronto is covered by Treaty 13 with the Mississaugas of the Credit. Shining Waters Regional Council is also an affirming ministry within the United Church of Canada, What this means is that Shining Waters is explicit in its embrace and affirmation of those within queer communities. Lesbian, gay, straight, bisexual, transgendered, cisgendered, non-binary, two-spirit, and more, we are all of these and understand this diversity as a blessing. I am really excited for this week's episode. Joining me in conversation is Imelda Decoteau, co-founder of the Pray With Our Feet podcast and online community. We will be talking about the power of revolutionary joy and love, and the necessity for both of these as we strive towards doing justice within the world. We will be hearing Rick Brown in Hamilton and Ruth Noble in Toronto reading scripture. There will be poetry by Sarah Eyre and music by Amori. But first, this is Beauty Bright by Drew Brown. Drew, through his additional project called Hymns for the Architect, has recently released a supplement to his Covenant award-winning album X, with X the Instrumentals. You can find Drew by going to www.drewbrownmusic.com or by visiting our show notes. This is the title track from his 2017 EP, Beauty Bright. That night you came A star cracked open the sky like the sun And angels filled the air with a song Come again Like that night you came When the whole wide world was forever changed 
changed. We discovered that true love had a name. Come again. Cause here in my darkest hours, you I need. Cause this horror of this weary world is all I see. Here in this chaos, Hope is hard to find Come and pierce the dark with holy beauty bright Come and pierce the dark with holy beauty bright Love came down Teach us that we'd never be alone To show there's more to life than we know Please come again Cause here in my darkest hour it's you I need Cause the horror of this weary world is all I see Here in this chaos, hope is hard to find Come and pierce the dark with holy beauty bright Come and pierce my dark with holy beauty bright Times like these when I'm worn out from the fire And Christmas feels like a chore and a lie When it seems like there's no such thing as a silent night Come and pierce my dark with holy beauty bright My name is Reverend Rick Brown, using the pronouns he and him. I live in the city of Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, and I am speaking to you today from an isolated location on the Bruce Trail near Hamilton. And I am reading to you from John's Gospel, chapter 1, verses 6 through 8 and 19 through 28. But first, I want to offer a little bit of an introduction by way of setting context. Recent events in my life have made today's passage much more meaningful to me. And I want to tell you about that in the hope that it makes it a little bit more meaningful for you too. This is the third week of Advent. It's the week that we celebrate joy. And this is initially a story of incredible joy. Being single and dating during this pandemic is kind of complicated. My ex-wife and I split up nearly seven years ago, 
And for personal reasons, I decided to not date and made peace with the fact that I'm going to be a bachelor for quite a while. But a few weeks ago, God surprised me. A new friend entered my life in a most unexpected way. And in that, I sensed God saying to me, you need to pay attention to this person because I brought her into your life for a reason. And we became friends, good friends. And then the sparks started to fly. The chemistry between us was undeniable. The possibility that this surprise relationship could turn into more than a conventional friendship couldn't be ignored. So we started talking together about where God was leading this relationship. And we realized it was time for a very long and deep conversation together. But since we're in the midst of COVID, it would be safer to have that conversation outdoors. And what better place to have a conversation like that than a hike in the wilderness? And why not turn it into a picnic too? Even though it's December in Southern Ontario when the temperatures are only slightly above freezing. Both of us are fans of the TV show Schitt's Creek. Honestly, I think it's one of the best pieces of TV ever produced. And in one of the later seasons, I promise you no spoilers ahead, okay? So don't worry. In one of the later seasons, there is a pivotal, pivotal romantic scene that takes place on a hike. And to avoid spoilers, I'm not gonna say anything more than that because if you've seen the show, you know exactly what scene I'm talking about. The scene was filmed at a place called Rattlesnake Point Municipal Park, which happens to be less than 30 minutes away from where I live. And my new friend and I chose that location for our picnic hike, knowing full well the overtly romantic implications of that location. And after a beautiful picnic lunch together and hours of wonderful conversation, it just felt like the right moment for a kiss. But kissing in COVID requires including each other in our bubbles. Were we ready for that? So I leaned in towards her and I hesitated, waiting for the implied consent to join our bubbles together. And she leaned forward towards me and met me. And we shared the most wonderful kiss that I've had in a very long time. Four days later, she started feeling sick. On the fifth day, her symptoms were clearly consistent with COVID-19. So she went to get tested. And the next day, her test results came back positive. She was confirmed to have COVID-19. Five hours later, I found myself sitting in the lobby of the testing office, awaiting my own test. And because of the nature of our contact together, I was required to go into mandatory isolation for 14 days 
even if my test results came back negative. And my test did come back negative. I do not have COVID-19. And so far, thanks be to God, my friend's symptoms continue to be mild and we hope they stay that way. This momentary gift from God of Advent joy collided with the reality of COVID-19. When I was asked to read for this podcast, I saw this reading, which speaks about being a voice in the wilderness, and I knew exactly where I wanted to read this reading. I wanted to read it in the wilderness at Rattlesnake Point with all of the joyful connotations that I've just finished sharing with you. But I can't do that because I have been in contact with a person who is confirmed to have COVID-19. So I'm not allowed to enter that park. Instead, I'm standing in a different wilderness, in an isolated location on the Bruce Trail about a half a mile from my home with nobody around me because I'm not allowed to have contact with anybody. So here I am, all alone in the wilderness, reading John 1, 6 to 8, 19 to 28. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. This is the testimony given by John when God's, when, when the, when God's people sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? He confessed and did not deny it, but confessed, I am not the Messiah. And they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. And then they said to him, well, who are you? Let us have an answer for those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? And he said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. As the prophet Isaiah said. Now, they had been sent from the Pharisees. They asked him, why then are you baptizing if you are neither the Messiah nor Elijah nor the prophet? John answered them, I baptize with water. Among you stands one whom you do not know, the one who is coming after me. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandal. This took place in Bethany, across the Jordan, where John was baptizing. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. My name is Ruth Noble. I live in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm reading Isaiah 61, verses 1 to 4 and 8 to 11 from beautiful Monarch Park with a lovely dog playing with me. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because of the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, 
to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to preserve those who mourn in Zion, to give to them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of the righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. They shall build the old ruins, they shall raise up the former desolations, and they shall repair the waste cities, the desolations of many generations. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery in the burnt offering, and I will faithfully give them their recompense and make an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants shall be known among the nations and their offspring among the peoples. All who see them shall acknowledge them because they are the descendants whom the Lord has blessed. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord my soul shall be joyful in the Lord, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation. God has covered me with a robe of righteousness, as a bridegroom decks himself out with ornaments, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the, the earth brings forth her buds, and as the garden causes the things that are sown in it to spring forth, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring forth before all the nations. I am so pleased to be joined today by Amelda Decoteau. Amelda is a loving wife, mama, creative, and believer, seeking God anew in each moment. Although based in Baltimore, this daughter of a Honduran immigrant feels at home throughout the world. She leads Pray With Our Feet, an online community lifting up the intersection of progressive Christian faith and social justice. She co-hosts Pray With Our Feet with her mom, Trudy, Imelda also serves as founder of Women Creatives Chat, a community centering wellness and empowerment for women of all artistic disciplines through events, workshops, and mindful products and services. This is our conversation. So I'm sitting here with Imelda Decoteau, who is the co-founder of the Pray With Our Feet podcast and lead on the Pray With Our Feet online community. Imelda, I'm so excited that you are here with us this morning. Thank you. Thank you. I'm, I'm honored to be here with you. So I came to Pray With Our Feet. I'm somewhat connected to your community. I came to you as uh, when I started a new online church community called Resistance Church. And very soon as I was going through my Instagram and getting connected and seeking out similarly minded or allied feeds, I came across yours. And so I'm wondering if you can talk to us a little bit about how Pray With Our Feet got started. 
Sure. So I have always had an interest in activism and making a change and a difference in the world. And a lot of that really was sort of birthed um, in my younger days. Um, my dad is an immigrant. He came to the U.S. from Honduras. And he always talked to us about the poverty that he um, went through as a child. And I just, I was always very disturbed and bothered by injustice. And that was something that never left me from a young child. And I, I got involved in various activist organizations, but I always felt that I wanted something that bridged faith with social justice and activism. So I started to blog and my blogging, before it was Pray With Our Feet, the community was called Live In Color Blog. And I did talk about social justice, but then as I started to get deeper and deeper into my faith, and there were some, some health challenges that have been going on in our family for a while now, and that drew me even closer to God. And yet there was also still this yearning, this desire to see how I could make a difference, what, what role could I play in the world? And I thought, why don't I merge the activism, the social justice with faith? And Pray With Our Feet has been around now for about three years, maybe three and a half years. And that's what it really came from, a desire to show people that your Christian faith, your progressive Christian faith doesn't have to avoid so issues of social justice that we can we can do both that god is expansive enough the divine is not limited to a building to a church that god is everywhere god is all around us and god cares deeply about what is happening in the world and i just felt a burning desire to create community where people can come together and connect the other thing that really inspired me to start this online community too and then later the podcast it's difficult for me to get out as i was mentioning some of the health challenges in my family and i know that there are other people that are facing similar challenges and so my heart was to create and cultivate a space where we could come together yeah, and it really, it's been a powerful experience for me, actually, to read your writing and see how people interact with you and interact with the, the contents that you put out there and are creating. Um, there's this interesting sort of line and tension that you have between absolutely calling out the injustices that are happening, but never losing sight of love at the same time. And that love is not something passive or saccharine or something that love is an as an action and love is part of justice i uh, when i read your work i often actually think of cornell west and his his quote that love looks like in public i was just thinking that cuz i love cornell west and mm -hmm. i've been reading him now for years and it does his work greatly informs my writing Another um, person who I look to, he's my favorite writer and thinker, is James Baldwin. And mm -hmm. he says, love takes off the mask that we fear we cannot live without and know we cannot live within. And he says that I use the word love here, not merely in the personal sense, but as a state of being or a state of grace. 
not in the infantile American sense of being made happy, but in the tough and universal sense of quest and daring and growth. And I come back to that quote so many times for inspiration and meditation and journaling. Mm -hmm. It really guides me. I see love as a revolutionary action because it really goes against, in some ways it goes against human nature because we're selfish by human nature. But love is saying we are going to be, we're going to remove the barriers. We're going to come across the bridges of our individual experiences and come together. So I see love as absolutely a call to revolution. Mm -hmm. So why pray with our feet? Where does that phrase come from? So that comes from um, Rabbi Heschel. He was questioned after he came back from being on the front lines with, with Dr. King in the 1960s, and he was describing them being on the picket line, and someone said, well, when did you pray? Did you have any time to pray, to sit with God? And he said, we prayed with our feet. And when I read that, I said, that's me. That is what, I, that is the kind of community, that's the kind of writing, that is what I want to bring into the world with the help of God. This idea that prayer is not passive, prayer is resistance, and prayer is calling us out of our own lived experiences and into the larger world. So that's where that comes from. So we're talking about love as revolution, revolutionary love. And one of the merch items that I saw on your feed, I guess earlier this year, was mm -hmm. a mug that said, the revolution needs our joy too. And as soon as I saw that, I, was, I knew I needed it in my kitchen. <laughs> I, knew, I knew that it needed to sit beside the mug that my sister-in-law gave me, which says, you know, give me another cup. Um, the patriarchy isn't going to smash itself. And so they do. They sit side by side in my cupboard and I take turns every day. They get switched out, which one I use as I drink my tea and, and, do, and do my work, which is often justice focused. And so I wondered if you wanted to talk a little bit about like, what does that mean? What is, what is revolutionary joy? What is the need for joy as we live out a, a justice-focused faith life? Sure. So I see joy as radical resistance to despair, as really saying that I am living through so much turmoil and so many challenges as a person on the margins, whether I'm a person of color, I'm marginalized because of my sexuality or my gender, but even in spite of that, I am going to seek out and be awakened to the pockets of joy that are around me. I often speak on Pray With Our Feet, and I also have another community, Women Creatives Chat, and I always encourage people to find the pockets of joy in their life. And it's also deeply connected for me to mindfulness, to being consciously aware of what is happening. And oftentimes I feel that things that we see as normal and mundane, there are, there's so much miraculousness in them. And I wanna share with you the, um, the short essay that I wrote on Instagram, The Revolution Needs Our Joy Too. 
And it, it, it really came to me in the wake of all that had happened with um, the murder of George, George Floyd and subsequent murders of um, folks by, by the police. So I'm just gonna read a little bit and, and share, share that with you all. Can I be real with y'all for a minute? Last week was a somersault of emotions, grief, frustration, anger, and utter exhaustion. As for so many of us, before fully processing any of these feelings, another would surface. As I stepped away from this space in terms of writing and sharing to nourish my spirit, this sentence emerged in the stillness. The revolution needs our joy too. And I remembered God's promise to heal the brokenhearted and bind up their wounds, Psalm 147, verse three. And although standing along the margins, simply being within our skin is a battle, still I witness our joys, whether large or small, with renewed clarity, creativity, dance, gratitude, laughter, time with God, connection with one another, as righteous resistance, in a world intent on our annihilation. We are here breathing in honor of all those who no longer do in the physical realm. And each second of breathing supports our actions to transform the world within and around us. Um, so that for me is the essence of what revolutionary joy is. I think very often, in activist spaces, we see joy and we see love as kind of passive, as you were mentioning earlier, but really they are not. They really are resistance in a world that is, as I was saying in my essay, that is intent on destroying us. We have joy and we can cultivate that and nourish that and that can sustain our our work our activist work i see it as inextricably linked so we so we've talked a little bit we've talked about joy we've talked about justice and we have this passage from isaiah today it's advent 3 it is joy sunday uh, in many mainline churches and we have this passage from isaiah from third isaiah isaiah 61 1 to 4, 8 through 11, which our friend Ruth read for us earlier in the show. And we've got a God speaking about, um, is it actually a dialogue between uh, a prophet and the divine, and finally Zion <laughs> speaking themselves. And they are talking about rejoicing in God and that God loves justice and hates robbery and, and wrongdoing. And so we've got this intermingling of justice and rejoicing and joy and stuff. And so I'm wondering where the passage takes you and what, what sparks for you when you hear these ancient words. So I hear a God that is deeply concerned with the challenges and the struggles that we face here on earth. There is sometimes a tendency, I think, in, in our faith, and maybe even for folks who are not believers, to see God as far away and as unconcerned with what we are struggling with on a day-to-day -day basis. And I believe that that's the opposite of how God shows up. God is deeply concerned with, with the things that grieve our heart and that hurt us. 
I mean, what comes to mind too is Matthew 20, 20, where God says that, you know, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. And Isaiah is, um, it's becoming like one of my favorite books in the Bible because there is such a focus on calling out injustice, calling out this, calling out greed and how greed impacts us as, as a human community, as, you know, as, as various societies around the world. And I hear God saying to us, continue to speak up against injustice, against the various struggles that you are facing, that your faith is bound up in that, that, that you are called to, to, to speak out. You're called to make a difference in the world, that it's not about waiting until you get to heaven. It's about bringing my kingdom to earth and living those principles out daily in community. Yeah, that's really powerful. That's really powerful. What has emerged for you since engaging in this work? I am learning a lot about dialogue and trying to listen to people who think differently than I do, who have different lived experiences. And that can be tough. Um, because I think it's easy to kind of get in echo chambers as, as progressives. And I mean, even if you're not a progressive, if you have a different ideology. So that's one thing. I think that it's, it's, it's helping to stretch me. And it's also helping to educate me from an intersectional standpoint on the various forms of oppression, not only what I face as, um, an Afro-Latinx woman living in America, but also what are other communities dealing with? What, what's the LGBTQAI plus community living through? What kind of horrors are they walking through? How have far too many churches disenfranchised them and silenced their voices? What about those people who have walked away from the church, who have experienced deep church hurts? What about their experiences? That's one thing that I love about Instagram is that it's bringing together all of these different worlds in one central place if you're open to listening. So that is, I feel like at the core of this work is really listening and learning and coming to understand that you, you're not gonna master it all or know it all, that this is a journey of constant discovery and and also that we are called to love in very deep ways and that that is very much tied to our willingness to listen and understand and have empathy not just not sympathy oh i'm so sorry that happened to you and and moving on but really deep empathy and really trying to deeply connect with hurt and the pain and the sorrow that others are going through, but also saying, what can I do? Not being immobilized by that or stuck by that, but like, what is my role? And I feel that God 
is calling me to use my writing, my creativity, my voice, speaking, and all of that in, into the work that I'm doing on a daily basis and, and to just continue to help me to grow and expand spiritually and also in community with other people to really understand the, the, the real meaning of love and that that often means that you have to be uncomfortable and you have to be comfortable in discomfort. So Melda, I know that you have the mug because I'm holding it right now. Um, is there any other merchandise or any other way that people can support your work, your ongoing work with Pray With Our Feet? Sure. So we do have a Pray With Our Feet store that's going to be opening before the end of the year, fingers crossed. And the revolution needs our joy. Will also that saying, that phrase will be available on t-shirts, on stickers, and on sweatshirts. And I'm working on another design that just has the Pray With Our, is going to have the Pray With Our Feet logo so people can be able to support in that way too. That'll probably be coming, coming out towards the end of January. The other way that folks can support is if you go to um, our Instagram at Pray With Our Feet and, and click the link in the bio, you can contribute to our Venmo account and send us a donation. And we also will be launching the second season of the Pray With Our Feet podcast this month. And we're going to be focusing on racism in the church, what we can do to uproot it, the various tools. And we'll be speaking with ministers who are on the ground doing that justice work along with creatives and other organizers. So that's, that's the way you can, you can support and connect with us. We're also on Twitter at the same handle at Pray With Our Feet. That's really awesome. Those in Shining Waters Regional Council who are listening to this will know that we have been doing an extensive amount of work um, trying to discuss and uncover racism that exists within the church, particularly the United Church of Canada. It's been really easy to point at what goes on in the United States or what goes on uh, on the streets, but the focus on racism occurring within the church has been so important. So I know that people from this region will be really, really interested in that conversation. Thank you. I'm so glad that you all are doing that very important work. Thank you. So thanks so much for being with us, Amelda, and I look forward to wearing my Revolution Needs Our Joy to sweatshirt. Yay! <laughs> Thank you. Take care. <laughs> Blessings. Links to Pray With Our Feet, as well as ways to support the ongoing work of Amelda and the Pray With Our Feet community, can be found by going to our show notes.
I used to know the wilderness only as pain. A land without food, a land without water. But you rained down manna, and even water flows in your desert. 
used to think the wilderness was total isolation. But the Israelites had each other. And you had the stars in the sky. So then I thought the wilderness must be time wasted. Forty years of circles, forty years wandering, but then I realized each step is a step. And maybe there is growth in that. So then I concluded that the wilderness must be lonely spaces. The woman and her well. The blind man and his gate. Martha and her kitchen. Peter and his fire. But then you showed up in each of those places. To each of those faces. So now, I wonder, what if the wilderness is the birthplace of creation? What if the wilderness is where call begins? What if the wilderness is where joy is birthed? And what if between the dirt and the sky and that wide orange horizon, the wilderness is where we find you? That was The Wilderness is the Birthplace of Joy by Sarah Eyre from A Sanctified Art. A Sanctified Art is a team of artists in ministry who create multimedia resources for worshiping communities of all shapes and sizes. They work collaboratively to bring scripture and theological themes to life through visual art, poetry, liturgy, curriculum, worship installation art, coloring pages, graphic design, and more. You may have seen many churches this Advent season using their resource called those who dream. You can find a sanctified art at www.sanctifiedart.org. Thank you so much for joining us. And please don't forget to subscribe to Do Justice on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you are listening from. We'll be back next week, Advent 4. It's all about the love. And Mary. Actually, mostly Mary. Sometimes it's got to be about the mama. Until then, take care of yourselves and your neighbors. And remember, we are all neighbors. We'll see you soon. This podcast is brought to you by Shining Waters Regional Council, an administrative grouping within the United Church of Canada. 
you can find us online at www.shiningwatersregionalcouncil.ca.